you can't escape grief trauma and all of these things like we're all our worst trauma is always going to be the worst thing that happened to us and we still will experience those feelings even if somebody else is going through something way worse and I think it's it is really important to focus on yourself because no one else is going to save you you're listening to now what a podcast where we celebrate the human spirit by sharing stories of strength and resilience For those going through hard times or looking to get inspired to change their own life, we're your hosts, Jen and Tisha. Welcome back. You're listening to Now What? I'm Tisha. Hi, I'm Jen, and we are here with Franny, who I connected with on Instagram a few years ago over both being expats here in Canada. She's from the UK, and obviously, you know, I'm from the States, and we just had some similar experiences, and then we connected even further after Warren died, and and you'll hear a little bit in her story, like how going through grief and that connected us, and Mm -hmm. we're so excited that you're here with us. Thank you. First of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you sharing my story and just giving me this time. It's, you know, it's really nice these days to sit down and and talk with people, even if it's not in person. And yeah, I appreciate what you guys are doing. I think it's a really important conversation to have, as I've uh, shared with you both before. But yeah, I'm Franny, although I would say a lot of people know me as Fran or Francesca, depending where where the friendship or story originated from. And I guess a lot of my friendships have actually been connections through Instagram. I remember meeting you um, via Instagram, like you sending me some gifts when my kids were born. So there's always been that that bit of connection there. But um, I am an expat. I'm from the UK. I previously lived in London with my husband. He's also English. We moved here, I think, six and a half years ago now. And the intention was to come here to start a family really just stay for a couple of years for a change of scenery it was um, a good working opportunity for my husband and it was just a bit of an adventure really with every intention of going home yet here I am (laughs) um, yeah here I am three kids later or four depending what way you look at it Um, and yeah I arrived in the country pregnant and I feel like this is a story I've told a lot so it's kind of I don't know it's not that I'm watering it down or not saying that it's been a really pivotal part of my life and like kind of transform me into a totally different person but um I feel like I've told the story a lot and that I've kind of grown from there a lot especially due to the pandemic so anyway I moved here pregnant and in the first few weeks we found out that my son who I was carrying wasn't going to make it so we had the unfortunate decision to decide to discontinue the pregnancy he had a condition that is incompatible with life um categorically there's no living person on the planet with his condition and um you know being that we just arrived in a new country um and to cut a very long story short we decided um also having no OHIP no formal health insurance other than a very sort of loose um health insurance that we got just to bridge the gap before we knew we would get OHIP three months into living here it was a really stressful situation to be in and um, to cut a very long very complicated story short he was um, he was born alive but passed away shortly after in my arms um, about six weeks after we moved here so that was a very intense way to move to a new country and be like hi I'd love to make friends with people, but I made a bunch of friends who are pregnant, which is pretty triggering. And now everybody I meet, I basically want to say, hi, my baby died. Yeah. yeah. Not a good opener for a conversation about strangers. <laughs> not um, the best icebreaker. <laughs> no. And I really found it so, so, so hard to, to lie. I had like no filter. I was like, it's either you I say this or I say nothing um right. and you know you you guys know more than anyone what it's like to be uh in grief or in a taboo mm-hmm. sort of situation where no one knows what to say to you it's um it was like amplified because no one wanted to hear that and um well and you didn't have any in-person connections here no in-person connections it's really funny because a lot of my story is like full circle moments and a lot of the pandemic has been really similar to that period of time because I knew no one 
I was very isolated. My husband was at work all day. Um, we lived in an apartment block, which was really quiet because it was mostly Airbnbs, which we didn't know when we rented the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like kind of solitary around town or just hiding away from people, not people I knew, obviously, but just hiding away from people. So it felt really <laughs> similar when the pandemic hit. Yeah. Um, and I've gone on to have um, three healthy children, even though we were told that was probably not going to be the case. And there was lots of more complexities to that scenario and how he came into the world and what my story looked like after that um, through being, you know, somebody who just moved here through um, never coming here for a career through having every intention of going back one of the first women I met here who I would say had been my best friend for the entire time I was here she then passed away probably I don't know a year and a half I was after I was here so it felt like I was getting over this like really traumatic loss and then this like mother Mm -hmm. mental figure to me she was probably about 10 years older than me but we were very aligned she passed away very suddenly so that was also really traumatic Mm-hmm. anyway there's been so many synchronicities since then and weird things happening and just to touch on one of them my son who passed away he his name was phoenix i just like the name i quite like the meaning i like to seek meaning in things um which i think often people do if they if they lose a baby or something like that you've got really nothing else to do than name them or like seek some sort of connection to them even though they're not here so anyway we chose the name phoenix i'm a lover of unusual names and it was much easier to get like a name past a husband when you're like he's like you can do whatever you want (laughs) just don't Mm. upset you so i was like okay i'm gonna go for like the most out there one of my (laughs) um but anyway um phoenix means if anyone doesn't know rising from the ashes and i kind of felt like it's a bit of a metaphor for how I've lived since it felt like I was kind of rising from that time Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and then my son Bodhi was born was due on his due day a a full year later um and I didn't know at the time but about six months after that I found out that Bodhi although it's a different spelling B-O-D-H-I means enlightenment and I actually fell pregnant when I was having Reiki because that was one of my ways of coping at the time was like having Reiki and then I become a practitioner so I could uh, practice on myself. And it turned out that I conceived on that weekend and Bodhi means to be enlightened and Reiki means to be enlightened. Right. So there was just like loads of these weird things that happened and I choose to believe that they're all like little signs. That, that they're like, meaningful. That it's yeah. not just a coincidence, right? Exactly, that you're on the right path or, I don't know, I just, there's one thing I've sought from all of my experience from living here is like seeking meaning in something to like feel like there's a reason all this crappy stuff is happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think especially because you had such a crappy and traumatic thing happen right when you moved mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm you could have let that define your life here or, you know, Mm -hmm. like a phoenix risen from it. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's something I think really beautiful about, I don't know, it like, you know, phoenix is guiding you out of the ashes almost. Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. I feel like I still see those signs when I need it most. Even like I've been to scans before where like the news was on and then like the basketball would come on and results and it'd be like, oh, phoenix... Whatever basketball team, yeah. Well, I don't know what team they are. Whatever would like come up and uh, be on there, even when you didn't expect it to. I was on a radio show once, and it came up to the point where I'd said, "Oh, like have a look over there," and the guy was like, "Oh, that's interesting." So it doesn't normally come on at this time, and I was like, Hmm. (laughs) "Yeah, I I'm somebody who I want to find meaning in things, but when it comes down to it, I don't always." I'm not always able to, or Mm -hmm. like signs and things like that. I just, I think rationally, I love the idea of it, but struggle with like finding them. But Mm -hmm. that like, is just so like clear. It feels like that it's pretty special. Yeah. And I think you could kind of argue as well. Like I chose a name that, you know, if I called him Dave, would I, you'd probably see loads of Dave's, but would it be such like a poignant thing although I've seen some of the craziest branding where I'm like 
you're an electrician and you've called yourself the phoenix electricians or like and there's like flames everywhere like <laughs> terrible business idea <laughs> but I'm like okay so my, you know it's really hard to differentiate whether um, I'm yeah. being given the sign or like I picked something that's more um, obvious to see I don't know yeah maybe I don't know but um, it works and if but it, yeah and it works it, for me and I yeah. think and I think that's the most important thing is like absolutely whatever you seek comfort from right um my husband's completely different so he'd be like oh god what's she talking about but also there's been situations where even he's been like oh, okay okay like fine <laughs> he has to um, agree i'll give you that one yeah. yeah i'll give you that one and i think to your point jen um you said something about like it could define men and sometimes i think it really has like which is kind of why when you said oh what did you want to talk about i was thinking like not that I want to move away from talking about it, but it has really defined me because that's how people have known me for a long time. Like mm-hmm. I was the one in a mum group who burst out crying because I didn't have any friends and I had tons of friends. And like, you know, at some point you've got to tell them what, what your actual reality is. Mm-hmm. And then of course I started a, a company where we um, donated to charity and like my story was very like front and center of, of the business. Um, and then, you know, my Instagram account, as it is now, originated from that and uh, me sharing my story um, as a cathartic way to like, let things out, which I I know, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us have sh- shared here. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of, but now it's kind of evolved. I feel like I'm not so in it. Like, I feel like I can look more objectively at that part of my life. And I'm really thankful that I have had that experience because it's woken me up to so much stuff and changed me into like arguably a way better person or I don't know if better is the right word but um more evolved I don't know something like that I think those kinds of experiences I think I, I both Keisha and I have, have have found it like gives you an increased empathy for people because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you truly you've lived the whole idea that you never know what someone else is going through you know you've suffered in silence in some way in some experience where you know you want either somebody to acknowledge you or you kind of wish they knew but you don't want to tell them and yeah you know or you're just having a moment because of what you're going through and you don't Mm. want to have to explain why you're having that moment yeah and even things like pop up I find where I'm like I had a real sense at the time when I was in it that I was like not gonna let this get the better of me like I felt like I could do it differently and like block it out and like live this happy life no matter what and as we all know you push grief down and it comes up somewhere else like it's like that ball that Mm -hmm. um, my therapist talked about a lot where you like push it down and like okay it might not pop up there but it'll go over there because the pressure is gonna go somewhere right and um yeah I think with that it it has took me by surprise even like recently like out of context or something terrible in a somewhat similar way has happened to someone I know or someone you know that I'm close to and it's their sibling or their whoever and you're like oh yeah like I feel terrible for them but it's because I'm also remembering like what that felt like for me and Mm -hmm. you kind of want to you want to go and fast forward for them and be like Oh, I want to help you but also you know you have to live through it don't you you can't really go around these things well I yeah. remember just in relation to that mm-hmm. the day Warren died um a friend who her husband had died seven weeks earlier when she oh. called me she was like I'm going through this so nobody else I know is supposed to like there's that like you know like feeling yeah. that like I'm bearing this. I, nobody else that I love or care about should have is allowed to have this happen to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I had, I had a lot of that feeling, and then I had a lot of feeling of like the whole statistic thing because, in you know, with pregnancy, child loss, you know, all spectrums of it, the statistics that is going to happen, and maybe it's the same because you obviously have way more experience on how many people are widowed and at at your age or like at any age maybe than I would be aware of Mm -hmm. but I would always be like oh my god there was one point where uh, I was pregnant with Cub who's like my middle child or my third born however you however you um 
decide to categorize it i suppose um where there was a group of my like best best friends all of us were pregnant and i was like oh my god there's too many of us there's too many pregnant people because i was like the law of averages say something bad's gonna happen to one of us and i couldn't get out of that headspace i found Mm -hmm. that quite hard and you know to further my story uh, i've I've had four kids in five years or had done my youngest is now 18 months and I still feel like I'm going to get to rewind and go back to the beginning of the pandemic and rinse repeat and have a newborn (laughs) and be like no now we're going to do this properly but obviously that isn't happening and she's like pretty much as old as the pandemic um give or take or day and yeah it's it's really weird because I found my firstborn Bodhi really easy then Cub is just like a wild animal. And I mean, I called him Cub. So what was I expecting? Because <laughs> I do feel their names have been a bit of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> so I should have called him, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know, a name that just embodies calm or something. <laughs> but he was a real challenge. And I, I, you know, had that typical parent thing where you're like, oh God, I'm not actually good at this. I just had an easy one. And now I've got the most challenging child who has colic, who has reflux who doesn't sleep, who whatever. And then I was constantly feeling really ill for a period of time. And it turns out postpartum and pregnancy are kind of similar feelings. And oh, hadn't had a period, all of this like typical you hear in movies or like to random people and you're like, really? Did you really not know you was pregnant? Um, well, I didn't. And oh, um, wow. went to my... Uh, I ended up having a scan. No, I'd had a pregnancy test to rule it out, found out that I was pregnant. And then um, thinking like, you know, I'm just a few weeks, like let's just kind of digest this information and find out where we're at here. And the woman who did the scan was like, oh, you're slightly early for your 12-week scan. And I was like, what, sorry? Uh, I (laughs) thought it's like two, three weeks here and we're just getting a date in mind. Um, And of course, you know, we went on to have her, but I was terrified and you know between me and my husband we was just like bitten off more than we can chew here like we wanted to have a baby but maybe not three quite so quickly we don't have any help decided to pay for and ship in all of the help we could in January 2021 and of course as we know that went terribly um and I don't know about you guys but I found the six week mark after having a baby like one of the worst periods because like the oh. adrenaline's worn off you're super tired I had other children to look super after. tired <laughs> yeah like I found it really hard so I'd made my mum come literally on that day of the six week mark which was also the day before we went into lockdown here um oh wow. and we actually there was lots of speculation of it um for like the two days before that so we was like oh you might not get on your flight ha ha she got here and then there was lots of speculation that we was going to do like the emergency break two week thing that was mm-hmm. two years basically. Oh God. So we decided to put ourselves in lockdown two days early <laughs> thinking we could go out two days earlier. <laughs> oh gosh. What it's was so funny thinking? to think back I know, now. Right? so like... funny. Um, <laughs> and, Remember how um, we really believed it was only going to be two weeks? <laughs> really believed. Um, really believed and I think back now to like how bad my mental health was in that I was absolutely terrified like I was waking up in the night to breastfeed like shaking like feeling like I'd had a nightmare thinking like oh what have I done like what how have I just had a baby into this scenario like my mum is inevitably gonna have to go home soon and like what if this is longer than two weeks and of course it was and then there was the whole drama of like you must come home now from various different prime ministers um my mum left quite abruptly and it kind of got to the point where I was, like, I was so worried about her leaving every day that it almost seemed easier for her to go I didn't know how long I wouldn't see her for yeah. and ugh, I don't know it I feel like I did well in, like all things considered in coping but it just went on like a downward spiral very slowly and I was like, I can't work anymore. Um, we were just generally worried about our household income. We had all of the kids. I had no help. Um, the daycare we had at the time, my kids were meant to start on March 4th. And then they moved it back to 14th. And of course, it shut then. So I'd paid about five grand in daycare 
um, costs, which oh, of course yeah, at that yes. point, like they were all just being kept, right? So I was like, I have no cash for any childcare until they give it me back. And they didn't till like almost the September time. So it was so, I just felt so, so, so trapped in my own scenario and so scared that I was going to have a breakdown and that no one was coming for me. Like mm-hmm. no one is coming, you know, mm-hmm. like my family isn't coming. We don't have any friends I could call on. I mean, obviously I have great friends, but everyone's in the same scenario. That's something um, that I find that's really hard. Like you can have a great community, but when your community is all parents as well. We're yeah. all in the same boat. It's yeah. like, you know, what can they, what can you do? Like my big fear about contracting COVID, especially in the beginning was like, what are we going to do? Cause mm-hmm. I can't reasonably ask any of my friends to like stay with us and watch the boys or like have no. them take the boys because presumably they would be, you know, like it just is such a thing. And, and like you, oh, my pa- my terrifying. family was overseas. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I really had land, these like but... over and over thoughts of like, I can't let myself sink. And mm-hmm. I think so much pressure. Oh, it was so much pressure. And, it, and, it, and like look back now and I'm like, it's really hard to think how bad I felt when I can look at it objectively now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I was suppressing a lot of it, but I was also really busy, but it felt like there was no let up, like no sleep, no rest in the day. Like three kids were like, you know, all we was doing, as you know, was like walking around the area. Um, I did feel super thankful that they were at the ages they were because my eldest didn't ask any questions about parks. He was happy to sit in the stroller still. And the other, they didn't mind going for a walk for two hours. They absolutely would not do that now. Um, <laughs> so there were some blessings, but it was like so stressful because you couldn't change your diaper. Like I couldn't breastfeed in public. I didn't, he wasn't allowed to sit on a bench. Like, and I couldn't be in the house because they would make too much noise and scream while my husband was on Zoom. And Oh, yeah, because yeah, now your husband's working from home and you've got these three little babies. Yeah, and it was so loud in here. And he found it really triggering to hear them scream. Like Sometimes I was like, I can't hear anything. Like, how can you cope? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just like a complete pressure cooker. Um, and like, thank God me and my husband are pretty solid. Like, I feel like we would have been in like, relationship training the whole time we've been here to go the <laughs> pandemic but it wasn't pleasant you know it was yeah. like oh my god what now all of the time mm-hmm. um and anyway I kind of decided like I had to focus on myself to get out of it like I had to save myself basically um and as soon as I could postpartum wise I started running every day and that was kind of like my key out um I was waking up um so early anyway and so anxious you know like when you're worried you're going to miss a flight or something which is kind of ironic because obviously I haven't been on a flight (laughs) (laughs) but I'd like have that oh my god like I'm not going to wake up for my alarm and then I'd be wide wide awake at like half five so I thought look if I'm going to be awake and the baby's sleeping till seven I'm going to go for a run so I did that every day and that was like the biggest turning point I started doing breath work which is now kind of developed into doing cold dips which I started in the actual cold and now I do still in the summer um but it was like those things that I could do that were free that were easy easily accessible at least to me living by the beach um and yeah it was like I need a career path out of this and I had no idea how I was going to do it I was just really really determined had you been working at all since you'd been here in Canada up to this point so I'd I'd had so many babies that the trend was to get pregnant and then also at the same time happen to get a job or start a job of some kind and then have to tell the employer that I'm also pregnant (laughs) you can either get rid of me and I'm happy to go or um you can let me work till I have a baby yeah like by trade I'm a hairstylist like I worked at um several really high-end salons in the UK and coming here was never going to be like the pinnacle of my career and that was fine and I've worked in some really nice places here so not to say that I haven't it's just so much harder as a parent and then when you've got you work Mm -hmm. mostly on commission and you've got to pay for two to three children to be in daycare it just doesn't really work 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd had those jobs. I'd had my own business for a period of time, which kind of didn't work out for various reasons. And it was going to be after having her, my, my daughter, my third child, it was going to be like the time where I kind of rethought things. But I had set up a salon in my basement. But again, COVID, you're not having anyone come to your basement. Mm-hmm. If it was allowed, you wouldn't have wanted to. Right. And it just felt like anything I had like laid the groundwork for wasn't working or didn't make money. Like I had my own podcast and the amount of time I was investing in things that like were like kind of considered work before it was like, I don't have that time anymore. My time has to be, it has to be put into something that's making me money and not just things that I solely just enjoy. So yeah, I just kind of went on this quest to find out what that would be with no real idea. And that's kind of brought me full circle to now, really, because now it's really weird to think that where are we now? We're like August. I started the majority of the work starting my business like a year ago. And yeah, it's been hugely successful, especially compared to like what my expectations were. And it's really developed into what I now have as a really clear vision of where I'm going and Mm -hmm. I feel so strongly that anyone could be sat here now listening to this with one, two, five kids, no money to invest in anything, no real idea of what they're doing and still find something that they love, find an idea and make it make money or figure out how it makes it makes them money Um, and to differentiate between a hobby and um, and a proper business um, because, you know, I've had plenty of hobbies I've tried to turn into a business, but they were never going to be fruitful because I don't know, I love to knit when I moved here and people would be like, Oh, you should sell those sweaters. And I was like, yeah, they take about a month to make. How much it's so time consuming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone's going to give me like a grand for this. I don't think so. <laughs> um, and I'm sure people can make money knitting sweaters um, from hand, but it wasn't me you know um so yeah to be sat here now looking back and thinking that was actually only a year ago and it was only a couple months before that where I felt really depressed in fact I was on the phone to my sister today and she reminded me you know as sisters do she was like remember like this time last year how depressed you was and I was like okay thanks for the reminder but yeah (laughs) right I was and that just feels like a whole nother person different lifetime Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been you know there's been a few times I've had to dig myself out of that feeling and find something for myself even if it's not a job but like a purpose here and I think I feel like since I've been here I've been like what is my purpose here like I didn't move here for me didn't move here for a career and I've got the family but like it's not it doesn't define me um it's not who I am like I am my kid's mum of course and I love them and I'm very grateful but I'm somebody outside of that as well so um I think it's really hard especially when you have young kids to mm -hmm. and if you didn't have um like a career or a job that you go back to after having your kids Mm -hmm. to be seen as anything more than a mom yeah a hundred percent and it is it's hard and and it's it's just interesting the way like life takes you like you know when Wyatt started kindergarten that was supposed to be when I was kind of like figuring myself out mm-hmm. and that was when we were you know six weeks into uh living without Warren so it was like yeah, a whole wow. other thing you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. So it's and, almost even more of a rebirth of you because it's like you in ex- now existing independently as as the parent of your kids and yeah yeah. Um, I hadn't realized that significance I think what's really like I think relatable about like your story and journey even though you know it is there's a lot of it that's specific maybe not to being like an expat but to be moving away from family and like not Mm -hmm. having that support system is just kind of the navigating the pandemic Mm -hmm. um yeah a hundred percent and I think about all the different new moms I know that have kind of been born in this time, what you know, especially first time moms. Um, and not that, I mean, 
I don't necessarily think it's any easier with each child that comes along. I think, you know, we all respond to that postpartum period, like mood wise differently Mm -hmm. each time. It's different each time, I think. It's funny, actually, because for me, I really thought like third time around, you know, experiencing being a mum, um, I could override some of it. I was like, "Oh, well, I'm just gonna." This is all training. I'll, I'll do the snoo. I like no. I feel like this then, so I won't do this. And it was like, it was almost like I couldn't get out of any of it. And because it was playing out in the pandemic, it was like that bit more scary. And um, I don't know. I kept having weird thoughts about like, what if I'm I'm having? What if I'm like in psychosis? And that the, the pandemic isn't real and. <laughs> I've, like honestly like it was just so everything felt what are, so am I making weird. this up yeah honestly <laughs> I would have those thoughts it's, a lot it, it it's such I was having a conversation tonight like different but but still related to the pandemic mm-hmm. and like what a messed up time this is mm-hmm. socially and and just in general and like you where you live is like a busy street and I would have to imagine those first couple of weeks it was probably like dead Oh, it was really and weird. that must have been so weird. so weird. We live on a main road, and yeah. like I don't mind in the, the beach. I lived, oh yeah, I lived in central London before here, so this is actually relatively quiet um, in every aspect. But um, that like background noise of like sirens or just cars or like everything on our bedroom window has never bothered me. And then it was like eerie. Yeah, I, I, I so eerie. quiet. I can imagine like being in that early stage of having a baby and then dealing with that because it was kind of like a mind fuck, I think, in general. But you yeah. already know your brain is like hormones and everything are like working themselves <laughs> out and like it's a whole thing, just the baby part of it. And then you throw this thing that nobody that nobody in our life has ever experienced. No, it makes complete I- sense to me that you would question your sanity, uh, you know, time. given that it was a pandemic. But like just the hormones and the sleep deprivation, like I remember just with both of my kids not really feeling like I could think clearly. No, I couldn't really couldn't think clearly. You're right. Um, and yeah, the first thing that you almost have or I felt I had to fix was sleep. I was like, I have to get a handle on the sleep thing because, you know, you can have all the therapy you want and you can try coaching and self-development. But if you can't sleep, you can't think, you can't concentrate you are having a hard time doing anything and I know that's annoying to say to new mums or if any new mums are listening to this but it's so true I think like sleep health is so so important like whether and again it was one of those annoying things in the pandemic where it was like you know I was reading all the stuff online and it's like if you're a new mum take care of yourself make sure you don't have postpartum depression reach out to someone and it's like what are you talking about right now? Like, you can't do oh, any of that. Like, yeah. who am I reaching out to? Who am I to? reaching out to? Yeah. Someone else who's also going to make me feel depressed, who's like, yeah, I feel like shit too. <laughs> right? <laughs> and well, I don't know well, how I would have survived those, like, I would say the first year with both of mine, like, I was one of those moms who went out to, like, mom groups. And I did, like, oh, yeah. baby yoga or whatever. I needed to to socialize so and to see people <laughs> and and to you know talk to other new moms who were in the same boat and like that that is how Jen and I know each other mm-hmm. that's how we originally met and to have that bond with other women um i just think to have a baby during a pandemic when you just can't connect with other new parents it just I can't imagine how I would have done it. I mean, it sounds so lonely. I think it wasn't, it wasn't because it was my third. I feel like, and I had such low expectations for me. It was like lots of practical stuff. Like I had two kids that couldn't walk. Um, and one that wanted to go in a stroller all the time. <laughs> so it was like, I felt like sometimes I had triplets, even though they had, they were not obviously not the same age because it was just like a lot of young kids needing really similar but not similar things and like I had a newborn that was obviously napping all the time and then another kid that had was doing two naps and went down to one nap so there's always someone that should be napping that was pissed off and (laughs) two couldn't walk so it felt like I had twins but like one's super heavy and one's super light 
uh-huh. like it was just it was like I don't, I don't want to say it's like having twins because I don't want to like disregard how difficult that must be but it was like kind of the worst of everything because uh, they were yeah like two couldn't walk but like they weren't at the same stage I couldn't get them to do the same things and like they were both pissed off in different ways and there was a lot of that practicality that I found and I felt like even now if I think about it too much like I was I knew that this was 100% the last time like there's no way we could have another kid after having gone through all this (laughs) and um, it felt like I got a bit robbed of that because um, obviously it's been a complete nothingness like I went through a whole mat leave even though I had no leave and no pay and no break or not even though it's not a break you know um it just the whole thing passed me by and I feel like uh you know my mum's staying with me at the moment it's the first time I've seen her in in this whole pandemic and um you kind of realize it's like oh come see the newborn who's now nearly two yeah. <laughs> and you kind of realize oh yeah like it's all passed us by like a lot of it feels like a blur to me and there's nothing notable that happened like you said I didn't go to a mum group I lucky that I have lots of friends that I've connected with from the other two and I have that network around here of people that even in the depths of the pandemic would all be going for walks and passing each other even if we wasn't really talking or we was all fearful and stuff but yeah it was still a complete nothingness like I can't I can't remember when she did anything in particular I can only remember that this time last summer one she was completely different she was just like this cute little blob who did nothing and now she's like a terror and two um it was I just remember last summer being so hard and I was like this is never getting better and it's considerably better now that they they can all walk obviously they have different things that are challenging but it just seems like it reminds me how much I was in it and how difficult it was and how I just couldn't see any way out of it and mm-hmm. I just kept being like oh like what is my life though like I'm just here to service everyone else so coming well, out of that right and that's that's a big part I think of like the message that we receive as mothers too is like that that's what we're supposed to serve mm-hmm. others like we're kind of raised to think in our society that that is our role yeah. but then you were in a position where there was really nothing else to do do. there was nowhere to go there was nobody to see so it just becomes this constant and you have children who are you know would have been very dependent on you Mm. and still are right like a newborn needs you all the time yeah 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 (laughs) except for when they're sleeping Mm -hmm. yeah and like this time last year she was like six months but I I feel like um it was yeah there was no job to go back to and uh, you know the whole expat thing that had been like a reoccurring problem for me where I was like I haven't laid down the groundwork here yet for like how I exist here as an individual Mm -hmm. and I feel like now that's come good because but at the same time it's like I've put so much into it like nothing's happened by accident like I've built a community because I went to every single mum group there ever was I know everyone in my neighborhood like I go to the local yoga place I I run groups now and like um as I mentioned earlier I do like cold dips which Jenna's um attended I do those like once once a week on a Monday and it's free and it's within the community so it's like I've got that because I put myself out there and some like I've Mm -hmm. made it my full-time job to make friends and now I've kind of made a career out of that as a concept if that makes sense Well, you have, and I was going to say, it's interesting that you had that kind of like year of that quote unquote mat leave of of nothing, like where you couldn't Mm -hmm. do anything, but you've turned that what you went through into something so that other women don't necessarily have to experience that with, with care club, you know, you've created, you've taken the mom group online in a way that I, I haven't like attended one, but it seems like more than just like an online thing, you know, like we've, yeah. we all have zoom fatigue. We all don't want to be doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I don't but know you made you it guys, a positive, right? Yeah. I tried, I tried my best to, I mean, yeah, for me, care club was born out of all of the parts of my life since I've moved here. It's like, 
I had a mum group, but I had mum groups, but I always felt the focus was way too much on the baby. And it's like, I can Google baby love weaning when I get home. Can we just make friends and like um, yeah. <laughs> create a community and a network of people who are like-minded? Like, I don't care whether you sleep train or whether you co-sleep, like, I just want to be a friend. Like that was my experience. So I was trying to create that hold space for people who maybe had or hadn't had, um, you know, had had, sorry, had had issues, maybe conceiving, having kids, um, having healthy kids, whatever the case may be, but holding space for that and also not forcing them to share any of it, just being like, this is normal, this is okay. And then have the focus be on self-development, like Care Club is essentially um, me sharing all the things I love, encouraging people to um, take care of themselves, like mostly mums and then everything else has expanded and evolved from there because I think the core message of everything I do is that like we have to look after ourselves first because you can't be a parent you can't be a friend mm -hmm. you can't be a good sister um you can't survive events like this um like pandemic grief loss all of the other tragedy that people experience if you don't look after yourself and if you don't prioritize that um, and I know it's really hard to even know where to start right when you're in the depths of despair mm -hmm. um, so I'm hoping well my goal is that the services I offer are those like lifelines to people whether it's care club where it's just like a bit of fun we meet up we have a great conversation we play games that encourage people to make connections and we have guest speakers who come on and share their expertise which is usually self-development based or like I'm excited to have you come Jen and do facials and tell us all about um beauty counter products and so on which is something that like I'm sure a lot of the women as an example want to know about but when you have that like crazy to-do list as a mum and you've only got an hour once a week and that's they're spending it with me it's like I'm making sure there's something there I'm making them accountable for their own self-care and their own self-development without them being like oh, okay I've got to go Google this. I've got to go find all this out. Like that's mm -hmm. what my role is. And um, yeah, now I have an even more clear vision of where I want to take it with um, helping other women start their own businesses and have like a key out of this hole we've been put in with the pandemic, um, <laughs> well, yeah, which I is mean, which is but... side hustle basically. Um, so for anyone listening, it's basically a... Um, well, it's a social enterprise and we're officially incorporated as of next week um, which is mm -hmm. really exciting which means that we can um, apply for government funding to help um, women who can't afford our course um, for whatever reason and um, the government will fund us to put them through the course so that's really exciting and yeah essentially that came out of me and my partner Alyssa both having new businesses at the beginning of a pandemic and being like we've helped each other out so much we have like the whole skills that make them um, the half the skills that make a whole um come together and want to share that the Coles notes so people don't have to slog themselves out like we did and just be like here's the Coles notes we can help you and we'll give this you this community of support um which I know to some degree you've um uh, been a part of as well Jen and mm. yeah I just so wholeheartedly be believe in community and things like what you guys are doing because I don't know coming from another country and maybe you will um, uh, relate Jen that when you have a network and you're born with it and you gradually grow it over the years of like collecting friends and maybe meeting a partner in the country you live in and collecting more friends and having their friends and getting a job and so on you don't actually have that much need for a community because you've created it and grown it organically um if you're lucky enough that you've had good friends and so on and you've had good jobs where there's a good um I don't know social life or whatever but if you're dropped into another country whether it's um you know you're an immigrant or you're an expat or however you want to explain the exact same scenario it's really really hard as an adult to go around right. being like hey you guys have got all your friends can I just squeeze in here yeah <laughs> because that's what I felt like I was doing and you know what that yeah. become really apparent in the pandemic because 
if people could only see one other couple in a bubble, yes, never the bubble, yes, never the bubble, and that was kind of sobering. Yeah, you know, we had one other family that we did see quite a bit and still do now. They're like really, we're close to them, and our kids are, are friends and in the same class. But it was like if they pick one person, that's we're still not it. They've got family, they've got siblings, um, and I I found that really really hard because it's like I've created this amazing community I've got all these great friends but you're no one's number one really yeah I or even number four (laughs) I resonate with that so much because I've been doing a lot of soul searching lately in terms of Mm -hmm. I don't know moving or anyway Mm -hmm. and my my parents they were like well I don't think you should leave there like you've got such a great community and I do but it really was brought into a stark reality in this last year and a half Oh, yeah. And and you, you get put in a place, I think, especially in my position, you mm-hmm. know, being like, you know, a newer widow and things like that. Like, I don't want to ask somebody to, because like I'm drowning. I'm going to ask you to choose our family over your parents. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Totally. You know, like it's a whole other thing. I was actually going to ask you, though, Jen, in terms of like going home, do you find or, you know, moving elsewhere that you look at things through rose tinted glasses and I think all the time god if I did go home I'm like a whole different person like how does the life I've created fit in there and would that just feel like it did when I moved here all that time ago because you've got to start again really wherever you go I wouldn't move back home personally okay I would move somewhere else and my argument for it is that well (laughs) like when it comes down to it like I'm nobody's number one anyway. So like might as well just be where like I'm really nobody was like when I was like mm-hmm. really in it, which isn't necessarily the answer. And it's not that I have nobody, but there are definitely those moments that it feels like that. And mm-hmm. um, what I think is so great about what you're doing with Care Club, especially, but really mm-hmm. all of it is that, you know, we all have those moments like for you, it was the beginning of the pandemic that really like destroyed you. And yeah. for me, well, for me personally, it happened in November and it mm-hmm. lasted until uh, June. Yeah. You know, I think, I don't know, I can't speak to why or, or anything, but I think yeah, everybody's th- probably had that in this time. And again, I totally agree. The that you were able to take that and create something out of that I think yeah I mean that's I think inspire I think that's inspiring I don't know I don't oh well I really appreciate that so I think it's kind of been like my as I said like my journey from here it's like how have I coped when I felt the worst it's like creating some meaning in it or creating something to get myself out of it and I think I've kind of done that twice over now and it was kind of Mm -hmm. proof when I moved here because everyone would say all the time aren't you just going to move home like oh just throw the towel in and I was like yeah I could but that doesn't fix anything and there's been some definite silver linings through being here and living it out here even though from the outside it might seem more extreme or traumatic but now looking at it looking back and being like well this has been my life I think it kind of showed me that if you can move abroad because I'm 100% not somebody that would ever have moved abroad I don't even know how I'm still here or how I got here or what but it happened and so it's like I had fear of like going to get a driver's license here like that was the kind of person I didn't want to be out of my comfort zone at all and now I've gone so bloody far out of it that I'm like actually I feel like um not I don't know I'm not obviously not invincible but I feel like okay you can probably throw most things at me and I will have to figure it out and it's okay empowered maybe yeah empowered but I think all of those things were born from having a bit of space even though I didn't have any space this time last year but like I had nothing right so it felt like I had nothing so everything was a gain um and I actually read big magic I don't know if either either of you have read that I'm like quite a creative person and so reading that and the ideas that come out of that which is basically like if you're really looking for a creative idea which I was and Care Club was kind of like the answer that it will eventually come through you if you give it space and you I don't know follow all these things that the book did and that is literally what happened I felt like 
I started out doing some super random things like you would have seen online. I was like painting pots and all this stuff and doing all this creative endeavors. And then I was like, no, I'm going to bring crafts to mums. I'm going to bring self-development stuff because I love that. And it all just evolved. And now everything else I do is involved out of that with side hustle, with the coaching course that I'm doing to be able to offer one-on-one services and yeah all of the little offshoot things that are all just my loves turned into businesses or ideas so yeah that's my full circle moment I guess to think that none of these things existed a year ago yeah amazing I have a couple of questions for you yeah okay one isn't really so much related to your story except I want to know what your daughter's name is because you told us your other children's name and they're, they're, they're all, they're unique. And I want to know. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I've got Phoenix, Bodie, um, Cub, and then Briar Rose. Okay. And um, we was actually going to call Briar Rose, Bessie Rose, because they're both of my grandmother's names, but I didn't realize Bessie the cow is a thing here. So yeah. (laughs) And then we had a, uh, a dear friend of mine at my birth and she was like, just look at my, my baby list like I'm single, like have a go. And my husband was like, I like Briar. And I was like, I like Briar. But I was like, should we do Briar Rose? Because then we haven't deviated too far from the plan. And then she was like, oh, that's uh, Sleeping Beauty's name. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. Because I was like, this kid has to sleep because that's <laughs> the only way I'm going to survive. And she was a great sleeper for a period of time, then was horrendous. And now she's back to good. <laughs> and my other question, just you were talking about how self-care is really important to you and how you want to, you know, encourage other women to invest in self-care. And so I'm just wondering, what are some of the things that you do for your own self-care? Oh my God, do you want the list? Um, I do. I'm very invested in myself, which sometimes I feel like just sounds so egotistical. But um, that has been one of, even when I had no idea what I was doing with my life, my husband was really great at being like, you need to go out, do your run, do this, do this in my lunch break. Like there was always pockets of time throughout the day, even when you could argue like I was the last person to have time. Um, And I've kind of kept that up where possible so my my go-tos at the moment are kind of things that have created community in the last little while so like my cold dips so that started with breath work with the Wim Hof app and then that's developed into full like full-blown ice bath dips um I actually have a tank in my garden so I do that probably about once a week in some capacity and then I do a lot of journaling I found that really therapeutic in the um in the depths of like, I guess my mental health journey really. And um, I think Instagram and the way I share online is like an extension of that and always has been, it's just like a way to get my thoughts out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess that's not so much journaling, but it reads like a journal. Um, they're two of my favorite things. I've got really in tune with the moon energy and like releasing and like manifesting in line with the new and full moon. I've got actually run a lunar alignment session every new and full moon where people come journal and I do loads of other self-care rituals and things that I've been learning with my coaching course. And I've got really recently into tapping because I'm again like learning it um, to practice on other people and I just think it's one of the best things we can do that I wish I'd known about sooner to literally uh, release the emotion within our body. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you a story about tapping. Mm -hmm. When my daughter, my youngest was, I don't know, maybe six months old um, and she was horrible. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I love her, but she was not an easy baby. And my mom used to do these craft shows. And so I was helping my mom with this craft show and I have the baby attached to me. And I haven't slept in six months. And I had a migraine coming on. And this woman who was there at the craft show, I happened to mention, I was, I just kind of turned to my mom. I was like, I have a wicked headache coming on. Mm-hmm. And this lady who does tapping this is what she does like professionally. She is like, okay, do this. And she starts like tapping 
different places on her body and she has me follow along and I'm doing the tapping with her. And all of a sudden I just started bawling my eyes out. And I was like, what just happened to me? Because I had never heard of it before. Mm -hmm. I was not expecting it. And then all of a sudden I just had this huge emotional release because I had, Mm -hmm. I was so stressed out. I really was. I was really carrying around a lot of weight and just sleep deprivation and anxiety and just the hormones and everything. And, um, tapping anyways Uh, it's really remarkable if you've never done it before and my headache was gone afterwards never heard of anyone crying but I can I can completely believe that because it's designed to it's emotional freedom technique right so I totally started yourself from the from that emotion that it was like tears just started coming out and did you feel good after though did you feel like yes I did yes I did um, also a little bit freaked out. Cause I was like, I don't know what just happened here. I don't know who that lady is. I don't know where she came from. I yeah. don't know where she's going. Um, but it did help with the headache, but there was just an emotional sort of yeah. cathartic feeling about it. Yeah. I feel like you can use it for anything that you want to release cathartically or, also use it to turn like something bad into something good which I really like because when you when you learn how to do it the basics are that you kind of release what's coming up for you you bring it up to release it then you kind of have some acceptance of it and then you call in how you want to feel so you would tap and say I don't know I don't want to feel like you would go from feeling anxious tapping about feeling anxious to saying um, I feel light and free and mm-hmm. you know whatever resonates in in the in the positive um, but yeah and then I think the biggest thing I've learned in terms of self-care is to do stuff that's fun and I know that's been hard in a pandemic where you'd say oh like I want to go see my friends I want to go have a drink or go do this or go do that all these things that don't exist but like I took up roller <laughs> skating <laughs> yay I took up roller skating and all these other super random things and like Jen will have seen, I was like practically dressed as a Spice Girl for most of last summer uh, whilst <laughs> roller skating. And I don't know, I don't take myself too seriously or I like to think I don't, even though I write about my feelings a lot. Um, <laughs> I think the best thing you can do for self-care, and it's one of the things that keeps coming up for me recently, and I've like read quotes about it that just happen to have popped up, where it's like self-care is anything you're doing to make yourself have fun or something mm-hmm. along those lines. I don't know about you, but a lot of people are always like, oh, self-care, like what a load of rubbish. And I'm like, yeah, it is if you take that attitude. And I get we none of us have time. But if you just think of it as like an overall concept of like, what can I do for myself that's fun? That's not like that's not like ticking a box or thinking, oh, well, I'm going to go have a manicure and I don't have money for that or whatever. Like it can be anything Mm -hmm. if it's servicing you and if you get some form of joy out of it or catharticness or whatever. So I have a spectrum of things I do. <laughs> um, in it's good. And I, I like, I guess the reason I wanted to ask you that is because whenever we have people on here, they often talk about what some of their coping strategies were, the things that they do that, that help them feel better. And it's, mm-hmm. it's different for everybody, but I kind of want our listeners to hear what other people are doing to kind of, give them some ideas of things that maybe they could try themselves because so many of us are just searching for ways Mm -hmm. to to feel better and to get through you know hard times not to cut that amazing conversation short but we spoke with franny for over two hours and thought it best to clip this episode here and put the rest of our conversation up on our Patreon. So if you head over there, you will be able to hear us talk about the idea of being both happy and sad at the same time and struggling with how those two things coexist. And we also have quite a lengthy conversation about triggers, what it means to get triggered, what we do when we feel triggered, how we feel about trigger warnings, and all of that can be found by visiting us at Patreon. 
patreon.com slash now what pod if you follow us on instagram you will be able to find a link to our patreon there easily and patreon is an amazing way for you to support the work that we're doing it is five dollars a month you can sign on just for the one month to hear this episode we have another episode on there on our 10 favorite moments from the podcast and i am actually working on some other behind the scenes and episodes for that so we'd love if you would support us over there and you can get a sticker too yes if you join for three months <laughs> thanks for listening to now what if you've enjoyed this episode leave us a review your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it until next time remember your hard times are the chance to write another chapter <laughs>